This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 649. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you check out all of our episodes over on your podcast platform, such as Spotify. Go buy a t-shirt, prowrestlingtees.com slash out. Talking about marking out, give us a follow on Facebook. Uh, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a follow over on Twitter at MarkinOut and on Instagram at MarkinOut11. Check us out over on Twitch where you never know when we are going to be streaming something live to you. As recently as Chris playing Fight Forever, which you should go check out. Go subscribe on YouTube. And also make sure that you follow Brandon over on Instagram and on Twitter and over on Threads soon. At BTTG161, right? You're getting over on Twitter on Threads? I'm not getting on Threads, no. I don't even know what Threads is. <laughs> well, you can follow me over on Threads and Instagram and on Twitter at DavidPTDPT. Follow Markin' Out over on Threads at Markin' Out 11 as well. And follow Chris at Chris Sweendog over on Twitter and CMSweeney85 over on Instagram. That being said, this is episode 649 once again. As you heard, I am here with Brandon, but my name is Dave the Raven. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always. How about yourself? Doing solid good. Solid good. uh, We want to thank, once again, Rob DeFelice for stepping up last week and discussing Money in the Bank with us. Yeah, that that was awesome. Like, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Robert. Uh, we really do appreciate him and him taking his time to to record a little bit of that Money in the Bank segment, which you should definitely be going to check out the video of very shortly. We won't say when, but very shortly. Maybe. Very shortly. But, Brandon, tell me, how was your week? Well, I went to the Pantry Diner in Rockville Center. You ever venture there? The Pantry? Sounds familiar. I don't. I think it used to be like a straight up like standard diner, but they Wait, is it the pantry? Where is this in Rockville Center? Right on the main road. Is this the one right across the street from the uh, gas station by the train station? What am I on GPS the corner system? <laughs> I, I don't remember. <laughs> actually, I think yeah, there so might have been actually there might have been a gas station there. Yeah, then I I've been there many times. Yep, yep, yep. So. Yeah. That was my, I think, my first time going there. I don't think it was worth the price, but that's the place where like, you gave me heck for heck. You gave me hell for uh, ordering. What eggs. did I order? It had to have been eggs. Yeah, I think I ordered an omelet from there, and you were giving me hell over that. That's where I got the omelet from. It's because I think that's such a waste of. You could do. You can make eggs yourself. No, no, I, I, I understand that. I totally I understand get that. if you're getting eggs Benedict or something, but anything sort of like an omelet, fried eggs, some scrambled eggs, you could do that yourself. Yeah, no, but, I totally understand. Sometimes I was just in a, I was just in a mood for an omelet. But what did you get there? 
Uh, well, I got a chopped cheese, but this was shaved prime chopped rib, cheese? so I can't really classify it as a chopped cheese. Okay. But it was good. And this, I think it's like a I... diner on steroids. The wait, we waited like you... 40 minutes to go, but because it's like upscale diner food. What? Yeah, this is like upscale, like not typical diner food. My Nana got a grilled cheese that came with, uh, it was on Texas toast with short rib on it, which is what I got at Hold Grand on, Lux a to... few weeks ago. But this was like, there's not even a comparison as to how much better this was than Grand Lux was. I got to pull this up. Oh, no, I've never been here. <laughs> I've never I been do, here. Is there, I, I think I'm thinking about a, a different diner. Across, though. Is there not? Yeah. Yeah, I know where this is. What What were you thinking of? You don't even know. No, I was thinking of the actual, di- like an actual diner. I think it used to be. Oh, see, yeah. This it's an so auto this performance place at yeah. uh, across the street, not a gas station. Yeah, this used to. Oh, Exxon's yeah, right this, across, also though. Yeah, this used to be a, a actual diner, and then they closed down. Yeah, they just, they closed down for a while. I believe they had a fire there, a uh, long time ago, and. I, I guess they re- fire, but in 2018, I believe it said they renovated to this. Yeah, no, I think I think there was a small fire there at first, and then they were just renovating it for such a long time. And yeah, I haven't been to the pantry since then. I mean, I can't even remember last time I went there. But the last time I went there, it was back when it was an actual diner. I would a hundred percent like to go back there and, and explore more of their menu. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, somebody ordered ch- uh, fried chicken and waffles. It looked good. I think the one from Cheesecake Factory might be better based off of okay. looks. But wow, this is this just, is definitely not a diner that I expected to be there. Nah, their, their food, it was definitely the next level. Four cheese chicken parm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The prices are pretty high. Yeah, but they are pretty high. But and the wait I time mean, was ridiculous. That's the turnoff for me is the wait time. You know, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wait that long for, um, for something like that. Maybe you can make reservations. I'm not a hundred percent sure. You can on, um, I'm on it right now. You can make reservations on yeah, uh, what so is it, open open table. Go ahead and make reservations. Yeah, but that's cool. How else uh, was your week? I thought I was going out east with my dad. And uh, last minute, they, him and his girlfriend picked me up. And they changed it to going to Queens and Manhattan instead. So we drove to That's Sunnyside, Queens. Yeah, we drove to Sunnyside, Queens at first. Uh, specifically to where the Sunnyside Garden Arena used to be. Which okay. was, it was a small venue where they do boxing and pro wrestling events where like WWWF would run the NWA would run there. I'm sure other companies did too, from like the forties to the seventies, but you would get Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales, Haystacks Calhoun, the Grams, Freddie Blassie. Wow. So many wrestling legends when people couldn't get to a show at Madison square garden, they were able to come to, Sunnyside and and go to these smaller shows and there was like there had to have been like twenty five hundred people tops. 
Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's pushing it, but now it's a, a Wendy's in a parking lot. Wendy's in a corner in Sunnyside, Queens. Mm-hmm. So there's a plaque dedicated there. So I think that's a pretty cool thing. I posted a TikTok about it. You could check it out on TikTok. Go check it. And then after that, we ended up going to Katz's Delicatessen, which was the first time that I've ever been there. I did not reenact the scene from when Harry met Sally with Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Well, I mean, you even ask. <laughs> I mean, I I wasn't going to ask. I assume that you did, but I would have been mistaken. Have you been there before? No, I've actually never been there. So I think the food was good, but I don't think it's that special. And I feel like it's sacrilegious to say that, but it was just okay. Like I got the pastrami sandwich. That was good. The potato salad for me, I think was below par. Mm hmm. The pickles were good, but I, I think I could do without ever going back to Katz's. I want to go there once just to Yeah, it's do cool it. to go there. You see the When Harry Met Sally spot, which also turned into Kurt Angle, Christy Hemme, and Linda McMahon <laughs> that they spoofed for WrestleMania 21. Yeah. That was actually filmed there, and I only first found that out when WWE posted those behind the scenes for... for really? Rest. Yeah, for WrestleMania when they went back last or this year, I mean. I didn't know that they actually filmed there. I think I mentioned it on the show around WrestleMania time. Maybe not, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then I uh, we drove to where my grandma used to live, and I knew through Google Maps that the house looked completely different on the outside because there was like the street view, but it didn't show from the front of her house. Like, I guess mm -hmm. the Google car didn't catch up yet to that, but it was crazy to see that outside. That's pretty cool. And that's, uh, really about it. How about yourself? Well, let me tell you something, brother. Um, let's see. I got a lot of work done. Took some time to kick up my feet and relax. And just look forward to the week of professional wrestling. You know, but nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. Well, before we move on to talking about Monday Night Raw, we wanted to mention the unfortunate passing of Mike Halleck at the age of 55, better known to the wrestling universe as Mantar in WWF. Obviously, uh, his, his moniker was half man, half beast. Were you watching? You were watching it then, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. So he was obviously one of those wrestlers that came into WWE when stuff like that was really popular. Yeah. He was during Gimmicks that. like that. Yeah. And I, for me, I only know him from looking back at old clips and seeing him. If I had to compare him to somebody to today, I would have to say a little bit like Bronson Reed. Okay. I could see that. Um, after WWE, he worked a little bit in ECW and then returned to WWE as Goldust's manager. I don't think he had a name for that, though, uh, as, as a bodyguard for Goldust. And then he became a member of Truth Commission with Bull Buchanan and Kurgan for a very, very, very short while. I don't even remember and him from that era. Under a mask. And then, really, I guess, worked, I think it was overseas, maybe. But I remember back in 2012 when PWS announced him versus El Matador. 
Tito Santana, and I thought that was that was cool because it's never been done, and it's a match that makes sense. And that was like, I don't want to say a blueprint, but kind of like a blueprint that you would see at PWS. Yeah. And then his last match was at Joey Janela's Spring Break in 2019, where he was part of the Cluster Battle Royal. So, it's unfortunate. I know he was just, uh, it seemed like he was just getting started on TikTok, too, and he seemed pretty positive on there. So... Nah, it's very, very unfortunate, you know? It's very, very sad, and, you know... Wishing our thoughts and condolences to his family and friends. Yeah. But moving over to Monday Night Raw. Mm, Monday Night Nitro! Finn Balor opened the show. Yes, Finny. And know, Finny Finny. Saying that there's a lot of stuff between him and Seth. And, uh, you know, he had to put it to rest because of Damian Priest. He hasn't. Yes, but he really should. For the better of Damian Priest. But Rhea Ripley and Dominic came out and Rhea Ripley questioned what the deal is with Finn Balor. He came out, he was like, what's the deal? And... Was that a good impression? No, it was awful. Damn. But basically said they want to talk in private. Balor left them and then Rhea Ripley basically just reassured everyone and said that Judgment Day still runs raw. Seth Rollins came out. Dominic got pissed off. And then also Seth Rollins came out eating buffalo wings. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, the crowd got a huge pop over the buffalo wings comments from Seth Rollins too. They were in Buffalo if you uh, you didn't put two and two together. But the yes. Seth also <laughs> was just laughing at the implosion of the Judgment Day. And laughed it off when Dominic said that he's going to beat Seth Rollins. And then Rhea Ripley, uh, I think later on, told Damian Priest that he better squash whatever it is with, with Finn Balor. And Priest was like, I already spoke to Balor, but for you, because you're asking me, I'll speak to him again. And we saw Rhea Ripley kind of moderate it between, Seth, uh, between Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Mm-hmm. And Balor basically said that he wants Seth Rollins first. He understands that Damian Priest has the money in the bank briefcase. He has the contract, but he's not done with Seth Rollins. He wants first, and they wiped it a clean slate. Mm-hmm. Later on, we saw Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn interviewed, and Jackie Redman basically asked them what's next for the tag team championships. And Sami's like, we'll take on whoever. I don't know if he said wherever, whenever. That I'm not too sure. But Rhea Ripley and Dominic interrupted. And Rhea was like, any version of the Judgment Day could take the titles from you. Which would make mm-hmm. me pretty happy if Rhea Ripley was getting involved in that scene. But I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, but also things that didn't happen. Seth Rollins versus Dominic. We were supposed to get that, but Dominic attacked Seth Rollins during his entrance, and then he ran away from Seth Rollins. And Seth was jumped by the Judgment Day. And Seth. outran the tag team champions, made the save, and that makes the main event. Yeah. But 
Next up, you had Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle pick up the victory over Imperium. Um, it's you know, to me, this match, I get it, but I could have also done without it. Yeah, I don't think I needed to see this. I mean, not to say that I wasn't entertained by it, but I just didn't need it. Like I did like building... Riddle's transition into the leg lock, the ankle lock, though. That was a very cool transition where he got Kaiser in the ankle lock. Yeah, and Drew, he was like just out of distance to break up a pin while while McIntyre yeah. was pinning Vinci. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. But that, that led to Gunter being pissed off at Giovanni Vinci, which is something we've seen before. Yeah. So that's, again, like I, I don't want them to break up and... It's like fingers crossed always, like, please don't break up. Yeah, but really, I it's just... That, I don't think that they will right now. It's just building up McIntyre versus Gunter. Yeah. And then Byron interviewed them later on, and they're basically tired of Imperium. And Riddle's like, I'm going to end Gunter next week, which... Come on. Yeah. There's no way. McIntyre's like, eh, maybe happen. you should hold off. You know, uh, I'm not going to be there. So, and Riddle's like, no, bro, I got this. <laughs> and he got Imperium banned from ringside. So it's probably not going Matt Riddle's way regardless. I'm going to say it definitely is not. I think that Gunter is going to have a field day with Riddle. I think, yeah, I think it could, I don't, because I don't want to see him, like, get written off TV, but I don't know how Mm -hmm. else, like, how else do you deal with that? I mean, why would he get written off TV, though? I feel like Gunther should, like, mess Riddle up with McIntyre not being there. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that's definitely something that should be happening especially maybe if you keep riddle off off tv for two weeks after this you know at least but i agree with you i could see gunter just totally annihilating him you know like next time we see riddle he should be all taped up and everything maybe taping other ribs and all over you know yeah but i agree with you after that, we had an Indus Sheer promo with all the, the works. We had Thunder, we had Lightning, we had Rain. Uh, and overall, I thought it was a, a good video package to put them over. I don't know who I'm rooting for more than them on the main roster right now. Like, I really want to see Indus Sheer just succeed. But, I, like, right now, I can't really see them taking the championships from Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but I, I just want them to be built up. We said this about the Viking Raiders. We want them to be built up, but it's like, I really want Indusheer to more than succeed. I agree with you. I agree with you. After that, we had the Ricochet and Logan Paul face-to-face, where Logan Paul said that Ricochet blew the money in the bank match for both of them and put the blame on neither of them winning on that one spot. And they went back and forth on the mic. Ricochet ended up doing that that face to face dive to the spot. outside. Yeah, the NXT spot where he does that front flip over the top rope, clearing it and sticking the landing. And I I thought that this was just such a a cool spot always 
But for him to be facing Logan Paul like directly after it, and then Logan Paul just kind of like played off. He's like, "That's the ricochet that I want to see," but I'm not. A, I'm not here for uh, TikTok. You know, he's not a TikTok person, and the viral moments. But he's there to be a superstar, which is funny because who was recording his elbow drop at WrestleMania or what was it? Summer I know Slam? when he said that TikTok. <laughs> yeah, when he said that he's not a TikToker, I'm like. Are you sure? Because I could swear that I'm pretty positive. You are a TikToker? I don't know if he's a TikToker. I feel like YouTube, he would be I know 100%, but. Yeah, yeah. But he took a swing at Ricochet and Ricochet ducked it and I guess got got, but. Uh huh. It still furthers my excitement for Riddle versus Logan Paul. Uh huh. After that, we saw Zoe Stark pick up the victory over Becky Lynch, which was maybe canceled at first, but not canceled. It came out that she's uh, Becky Lynch is slightly injured, but I guess she was able to get cleared before Monday Night Raw. It didn't which is seem, always nice. Did it seem like she was slightly injured? So I don't know what part of her was. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't understand why bring that up if it didn't really play factor in the match. Well, I mean, that was the the news sites. That's true. That's true. But the match itself was really entertaining. Zoe Stark defeating Becky Lynch. And surprisingly, I didn't expect her to. You know, I, I liked when Zoe to win. Yeah, I liked when uh, she, she almost won by grabbing the ropes. Uh-huh. And the referee saw that. And then Trish Stratus got up on the apron to break up the the ref's focus and Becky Lynch knocked her off the apron and that's when Zoe Stark rolled her up so I guess yeah. it's like a cheap victory uh-huh but a victory is a victory no oh, yeah after that we had the Maxine Dupree Alpha Academy graduation ceremony which was to me reminiscent of Chase U with Thea Hale okay I could see that but I just think this was a fantastic sports entertainment definition se- uh, segment. Yeah. I, I agree with like, you. I think that she was like, oh, when I first met you, I thought you were this. I thought you were that. And like she didn't like Chad Gable. And then she put Chad Gable over. And she got you deserve it chance from the crowd, which I thought was really funny. And yeah, she, this entire segment was just great. And she really thanked Otis as part of her success. Yeah. I thought and that this we, was just awesome. I liked I liked the entire aspect where they were just like, we want you to take it off. And then she starts to disrobe, only to be have be presented with a jacket, one of the varsity jackets for Alpha Academy. Unfortunately, things did not go to plan as Viking Raiders ended up making their way down to the ring, but they were without Valhalla, which kind of like you knew what was about to happen, and it did happen. Valhalla with the sneak attack uh, right behind the back, getting uh, Maxine Dupree's jacket and taking it with her. Which is like kind of antimony. Like, are they going to do, like, a, a a match with a stipulation where the winner gets the jacket? I don't think so. But I think it's going to culminate with them 
picking up the victory and her finally getting it. I would like to see like another group of wrestlers in the roster position that Alpha Academy are in get uh-huh. the same reaction that they're getting for what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, I agree with you. Because I can't like it's I'm so I'm a f- huge fan of Chad Cable. I'm a huge fan of Otis. I like Alpha Academy. I like everything that they're doing with it, but I feel like when I like something like this, 90% of the internet is like this is pure garbage. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to be the case with this and I don't know how or why it's different. Mhm. But kudos yeah I totally agree after that we saw Shayna Baszler pick up the victory over Emma which stemmed from backstage segment where I guess Emma also kind of took credit for what Shayna Baszler did to Ronda Rousey last week or two weeks ago last week I think last week last week last week Uh, as far as the match goes I Emma Got a lot more in than I thought was going to happen. Yeah. She was she was obviously going to be losing, but she was able to hit that Emma Might sandwich. And uh, really, ultimately, afterwards, Ronda Rousey showed up. And there was a, a little bit of a brawl. But Shayna Baszler rolled out and left pretty unscathed. Yeah, she was able to get out of harm's way, you know. But but I'm I'm like again. I said this last week. I don't know if Shane is supposed to be the healer face. Fans ain't booing her. No, I think that she's going to be the face of it. You know, people want that tough. Um, Shayna Baszler, and hopefully we get more from Emma because. I think yeah. it's stupid to to not utilize her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, we saw Cody Rhodes come out, cut a promo about how everybody has a Brock Lesnar. Everyone has something that stops you from achieving your goal. So that, in turn, is your Brock Lesnar. Which I understood. It was kind of, I don't want to say like uh, nursery schoolish. I don't know how else to put it. To me, I mean, I don't know if anybody's even going to make sense of that word, but. I I like it. You know? Like, to me, it seemed like he was trying to create his own Aesop fable. What do you mean by that? Like, the the scorpion and the frog that he told a few weeks ago that somehow ended up in an AEW video game. (laughs) I feel like Uh that's what he's trying to do by just saying, like, Everybody has a Brock Lesnar. Okay. I could understand that. But Cody invited Cody invited Brock Lesnar to shake his hand next week and accept a match at SummerSlam, so Brock will be on Monday Night Raw next week. I think he was advertised for this week's Raw, was he not? I could have sworn he was. This week I don't believe so. I could swear he was supposed to be there. But after that, we saw The Miz pick up the victory over Tommaso Ciampa in a no-disqualification match. Um, 
which I did not expect Miz to lose, uh, win. But it makes sense that he won. Mm-hmm. So I liked when uh, the fans were chanting for table throughout the match and Miz finally went to go grab one under the ring and then threw it back down to get that heel reaction. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they went nuts for Champa when he pulled the, the table out. And that spot where he hit that air raid crash that was through the table. Sick. From the middle rope. Yeah, that was that was dope. That and was he almost really... won. But Bronson Reed showed up, took him out. I mean, he really laid into him this entire matchup. Yeah. You know? And Miz, Miz crawled over, still hooked the leg. Yeah, I love this entire matchup. Champa, I mean, still coming out really strong in this matchup, no? Uh, yeah, I'd say so, 100%. He only lost because he was taken out by somebody else. Yeah, and something that was really surprising to me, that I don't know if it's true, but I saw that this was the Miz's first wrestling match victory for this year. Yeah, he's been on a losing streak. Is that legit? Yeah, didn't I did I not bring up Miz's losing streak recently? I don't recall, but I didn't realize that he like legit didn't have any He was he was like on two hundred losses or something like that. That's wild. No, that can't be two hundred losses. There's no way. I think he hasn't lost no. Hold on. I don't think he's won a match. Could it have been two hundred? No, it was not two hundred losses. I think it was two hundred days. That makes more sense because I think it was back in November. Uh-huh. So from November to July, that seems like 200 days, right? Probably. Eight months. Eight months. Uh, let's go with, yeah. That I seems like 200 days. But just crazy. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah. But... Next up, you had Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green pick up the victory. <laughs> I'm not afraid of doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Over Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Uh, Liv and Raquel, we were at ringside for this, uh, for this matchup. Um, yeah, that introduction always pops me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And the uh, backstage, though, Liv and, oh, yeah. and Raquel, they had the confrontation with them beforehand. And Rhea Ripley walks into frame to confront the champions. More so, I guess, Raquel Rodriguez. And warned both of them to stay out of her business. And I popped big time at Chelsea saying, yeah, three strikes, you're out. Basketball. I thought that was such a <laughs> that was such a good line where it's like that was like I think the best part of Monday Night Raw. No offense to anybody else. Yeah, I agree with you. That, that was just very entertaining how that worked out. I thought that that was hilarious, and I, I like how the match. Yeah, I liked how it kind of like how Sonya Deville kind of like was just like, oh yeah, we have to go Chelsea. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, like, yeah I, liked, I liked the match. Katana Chance tried to repeat that Hurricane Rana spot from last week, but Sonya Deville prevented it. And then uh, Chelsea Green, I, she used a nice pin that allowed her to get uh, her feet on the ropes without the referee kind of seeing it. And yeah. Sonya Deville held the feet for more momentum. And 
Next week, we have the championships on the line. I don't think Raquel and Liv are losing it, but... Yeah, I don't think that they're going to lose it either. But like Part of me, a majority of me is like, I really don't want to see them lose it because they literally just won it from the horsewomen. Exactly. But then there's like maybe a 5% of me is like, well, on the other hand, it's Sonya Deville and Chelsea getting the championships. It would be awesome. But I don't I really see it. I mean, yeah. the only way I could see is it is if Rhea Ripley costs Raquel Gonzalez the match because I right. mean Raquel and because that's something else, by the way, that I don't want to see is a tag team champion feuding with a singles champion. I hate that. Yeah, I hate when they do stuff like that. Uh huh. They're doing it over in AEW right now, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Main event, we saw the Judgment Day pick up the victory over Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Seth Farik and Rollins. The crowd was super into it. I think parts of it felt off. I don't know if you felt like that watching it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, eh, not too much. I mean, I thought it was okay, but I don't know. It, it wasn't really gluing me to watch it. It wasn't really anything for me. There were parts that I thought were cool that we don't really see often. Like Sami Zayn kind of like modified his blue thunder bomb. Don't know if that was supposed to happen. Reports came out that there was a discussion after this match between the, I guess, six of them about how, what would you say? Miscommunications or whatever. Yeah. That's what they said, that there was a lot of miscommunication about this. Which I would 100% believe, because the match, like I said, seemed a bit off. I mean, it didn't... To me, it wasn't anything. Like, I mean, once you... I mean, you sent that to me, and I blew it off completely. Like, there was a spot, I think... Was it Finn Balor or Seth Rollins? They were going for the... the, uh, What is the move called? I can't remember what the move is, where they, they hook around. I can't think Those of what they, they call the... Yeah, it's like that, but you're on, you're on their neck. Mm-hmm. A sling yeah. bra- uh, blade? Yeah, the sling blade. I think there was a sling blade spot go. that looked uh, a little goofed. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely believe that there was miscommunication in that match, but the fans were super into it. Rhea Ripley got involved and... The Judgment Day basically used that to get the the victory over Sami Zayn. And then they teased uh, Finn Balor and Damian Priest maybe not being good. They did it during the match. They did it before the match. But after the match, they hugged it out. And I think this was a very entertainment-heavy episode of Monday Night Raw versus having a lot of wrestling there yeah i thought it was very entertaining you know i thought it was very entertaining i thought that it was great um i I think this episode could have been better i don't think it was a bad episode of monday night raw but i i think it could have been better i could understand i could i could support that yeah so moving on to to nxt go on (laughs) nxt look at that 
<laughs> what do you say for that? Thunder? I don't know. I don't know. We could. Thursday Night Thunder. Oh. Wow. <laughs> I was just watching a clip of him losing to Hogan, too. Awful. Stupid. From Thunder? Right, like, the, like, I think so. The day after he won the championship. Mm. Maybe on Nitro. But, yeah. Well, the Judgment off. Day judgment. opened up NXT this week. Damian Priest addressed Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes and said the Judgment Day runs WWE, basically. We saw Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes come out, lay out a challenge, and Finn Balor's like, if you... Uh, he said to, to Trick Williams, if you're coming for me, you better not miss. So that sets up the main event for NXT. Yeah. We saw a thing with Gigi Dolan showing off old pictures of Kiana James. And Kiana James was like, that's not me anymore. So that just continues their feud. Yeah, continues. We'll see what happens, you know. Next up, you had Chase U pick up the victory over Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey. Um it was all a brawl and everything. I did something that stood out to me was the Thea Hale Kimura lock on Gulak. Yeah, it was which, I definitely was a fan of that, but But on it makes the other no hand, sense. How did the referee not thank see you. that? How did like the Say whole it. time she ha- had it locked on? It was funny, but how the hell did the referee not see that at all? Isn't that a DQ? I mean, if the ref doesn't see it, the ref doesn't see it. How? It just doesn't make that sense. That should have been a DQ. But, like, again, if the ref doesn't see it, it just yeah, didn't I make sense so. that the ref didn't. But yeah. um, the the Michinoku driver from from the middle rope that that Duke Hudson hit was a really nice Michinoku driver. I thought that was nice. Uh-huh. But ultimately, Chase U picks up the victory there. We get Von Wagner backstage talking to... Robert Stone telling him that he got carried away last week. He hated going to school when he was a kid because of what he looked like. So he decided that he needs to be a monster in order to make it through life. But he saw the fans cheering for him last week and I guess maybe felt different about being a monster. Mm -hmm. So it... Like I said originally, it does seem kind of like Kane, where it's like Kane thought he was, but maybe he's not actually. But I mean, we want to see Von Wagner really stand out more. Yeah, I I don't. He was he was on that episode of SmackDown, I think. He's still a free agent, I guess. But yeah, but he's like one of the few people that haven't really been utilized as a free agent. From from NXT 2.0, though, I feel like he hasn't really been utilized. 100%. Not at all. But next like up, he's, he had, not even, yeah. he's not even part of the, the DLC for 2K23. Crazy. He, he was an original. I would have figured 100% he'd make that DLC cut. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. But next up, you had Cora Jade pick up the victory over uh, Kalani Jordan. Uh, Dana Brooke was out there as well. Um, I was actually very impressed with uh, Jordan during this matchup. You know, I thought that it was actually really good, really entertaining match with her. Yeah, I thought it was decent, and I do mm-hmm. like that she continues to use that at the. I mean, athletic. I don't want to say athletic. 
what word was I going to say? Athleticism. Jeez. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there was one point where she, like, kind of missed her elbow. She got a little bit of it, but Vic Joseph, I think, does such a good job on commentary uh-huh. that I would love to see Vic Joseph someday take over for Michael Cole. Because I Ooh, think that's a bold statement. I think he's, like, really good. And he did, I mean, he did a very solid uh-huh. job at covering up her missing a majority of the elbow. Yeah. But Cora Jade won and immediately goes after uh, Kalani Jordan with her kendo stick. There was a lot of that cat and mouse stuff, which Dana Brooke ended up getting involved and in coming out on top. I could only assume Dana Brooke versus Cora Jade's coming, coming up next week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but possible. we saw Eddie Thorpe uh, Eddie Thorpe and Gable Stevenson air a there was a video from last week's NXT that they aired now basically asking what's next and Gable Stevenson mentioned a national championship perhaps he mentioned the Olympics maybe he's still in college right yeah, he's still in college. Uh, he ha- you have I to be think in college he's... to get the national thing, or what? No, uh-uh. I think that I mean for the NCAA Division One. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's what he was talking about. Yeah, I think he declared that he was going to wrestle again this year for the uh, for his school for Minnesota. I think the Gophers. I think so. I may be wrong though. No, I think so too. Right. But then they they cut to a bunch of, I think, no-name locker room people putting the match over, the underground match. And Dijak overheard them, and he's like, that's aggressive or whatever the line was. I forget what he said. But it seems like we're going to be seeing Eddie Thorpe uh, take on Dijak. Yeah. But After that, we next saw up Ilya you had Ilya Dragunov pick up the victory over Braun Breaker to become the number one contender. I mean, this matchup was incredible. What did you think about it? They were nuts. I almost cursed. <laughs> <laughs> they literally like it's just Ilya Dragunov is so good. And I think this was a really good pairing with the with, between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I think like Judgment Day was there, but I think this was definitely like where the main event should have been. Uh, I yeah, think, I, I agree think this with you. was like the, I think this was the best match on on NXT this week. I think this was maybe the best match in NXT this month. Maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Um. We're still in July. When was that that uh, event? Was it the beginning of July? I might have misspoken. Second best match, maybe. Okay. But uh, we saw Braun Breaker hit that huge spear on Ilya Dragunov while Dragunov was diving off of the top rope. And that was a sick spear. And in the end, Ilya Dragunov hit that um, Torpedo Moscow on Braun Breaker. And now he'll move on to face... Carmelo Hayes for the championship at Great American Bash. Yeah. After that, we saw Wesley interviewed, asked about defending the title uh, against Mustafa Ali at Great American Bash. And Dominic interrupted 
And he's like, I accept your open challenge. And Wesley's like, uh, I didn't issue any open challenge. In fact, I w- had to stop doing open challenges because it got so crazy, which I think is funny and a, a good callback to what actually happened. Yeah. Where they spoke to Wesley and they're like, you can't have these open challenges anymore. Yeah, everybody's but just battling in the back and then coming to the front. But yeah, so we're getting Dominic versus Wesley because Wesley was like, even though there's no open challenge, I do accept. So next week on NXT, Dominic could potentially become the North American champion. Ooh. Do we see it? I don't know. I'm going to say it. I think I could see it. The The only reason why I wouldn't want to see that is because he's on the main roster. And uh-huh. although it moves the North American championship to the main roster... It takes away uh-huh. the North American Championship from NXT right now. Unless he's able to defend it on NXT and just bring it with him to the main, like to Raw when he's there. That would make and he everything that happened with it. Solo Sokoa look even more dumb. Dude, do you realize about what happened with the Women's Tag Team Championship already? And Indy yeah. Hartwell drop, had to drop her championship, but the other two were able to maintain their championship to yeah, unify them? Yeah, sense. Exactly. None of it makes sense already. Even like you mentioned, the stuff with Solo, the stuff even go back in time with everything that happened with Paige. And for the only people ever to not have that happen be the tag team, the the women's tag team division is insane. I do think looking back, though, at Paige, when I believe it was JBL made her give up the, the NXT championship. I think Mm -hmm. that makes more sense because it's like she literally just got on the main roster and now she has to spread her wings, I guess. Yeah. So in that sense, I I would get it. But something in today's WWE, Mm -hmm. not so much. Hmm. But after that, we saw a promo, a video package with Baron Corbin basically asking what his future is saying that he no longer has anything in common with the former characters he once portrayed. He doesn't know who he is, and then there were torches, there was a guy in a sweatshirt. I didn't really understand it. I, I Like, what? I don't even understand. Like, what the hell is that going to be? Yeah, it didn't really make sense to me. I'm like, like, the only thing I could think of is Bray Wyatt, but it's not Bray Wyatt. It makes no sense. Like, why yeah. are there tiki torches? Yeah, 100%. I don't get it. But I'm willing to see it because uh, I'm a fan of Corbin, so hopefully something good comes from it. Yeah. Agreed. After that, we saw the champion, Tiffany Stratton, pick up the victory over Ivy Nile. Uh, The championship was not on the line, and Ivy Nile did get a lot in, but Tiffany Stratton got out of the Dragon Sleeper and hit the prettiest moonsault ever to pick up the victory there. I thought it was decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, afterwards, Tiffany Stratton cut a promo. And the crowd chanted at her, saying that she tapped out. And then it cuts to Thea Hale talking to Andre Chase about locking the Kimura lock on Gulak earlier. As well as making Tiffany Stratton tap. And they they all chanted rematch. So it seems yeah, the, like... The- we could potentially get via hell 
maybe Thea Hale becomes a, a young champion, youngest champion in WWE, or second youngest, I should say? I mean, I would think so. You know, I think that's I still think... on the table. If yeah, not, the... she would be third youngest. Yeah, the crowd was heavily supportive of it. Yeah. You know? But we also saw Schism approach Ivy Nile later on, and they spoke about, I guess Ivy thought it was Joe Gacy, and Joe was like, how could it be me? That couldn't have been me. And they were alluding to the person in the sweatshirt that cost the Creeds their match and, I guess, time in NXT. Uh Basically offering her a spot in Schism. And I'm pretty sure Julius and Brutus were part of Schism there. I don't know if they were working as extras or if it's going to be revealed that they're now part of Schism. That'd be interesting. Last we heard, they lost. It was a loser leaves NXT match, but many people on the internet pointed out that was definitely Judas and Brutus. Julius. Julius. (laughs) Jeez. Judas. That would definitely be interesting. So, I don't know. But then it's like, where does that go? It's like, oh, how dare you betray me? Where does Ivy Nile go from there? Does she, like, give up everything she believes in and, and joins... I feel like Ivy Nile is the one that's going to get lost in the dust with everything. I don't know. Because we still need to find out who the sweatshirt person was. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We had Blair Davenport interviewed about Roxanne Perez and what she did to Roxanne last week. And Blair basically said the women's division is for grown women, not little girls. And Roxanne Perez is a little girl. And when she comes at her again, she'll leave her... Like Sol Ruka, like Nikita Lyons, etc. Yeah, unfortunately they're on the shelf for a while. Earlier in the night, though, we saw Tony D'Angelo interviewed by Mackenzie Mitchell about the upcoming match with Stax and Joe Coffey, where it seemed like Tony was kind of worried. And then we cut to the match itself, yeah. where Stax actually picks up the victory over Joe Coffey. Yeah, Stax picked up the victory over Joe Coffey. I mean, Stax was able to get the dis- get the distraction. I mean, he got Wolfgang thrown out of the match. You know, Which, he the, with the crowbar. Yeah, he did the Eddie Guerrero spot. But, like, we saw Tony D'Angelo call live from prison somehow. I don't... Like, how was he able to do that? We know that Tony was was able to get a Peacock uh, subscription to watch the the night after, but how was he able to know that Stax's match was right then and there? I think it's it was a pretty funny. That's like when you look back in the history of NXT, that'll be on the 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 pretty goofy side of NXT. Yeah, but we also saw Bronco Nima and Lucian Price come out come out during this which distracted the champions a little bit. They came out earlier in the night with, the, I think it was the Chase U match. I don't think it's a solid TV debut for them because we really don't know them. If you mm-hmm. wa- if you didn't watch, if you don't watch Level Up, then you really don't know them. We've seen video packages for them airing, and they built this up as like, oh, it's some big debut next week. This was not a big debut, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But like you said, yeah. we got the crowbar spot and he was tossed from the, the, they were tossed from the ringside area, but 
he got uh, he hit that curb stomp and won Tony D'Angelo's freedom. I mean, I wouldn't even wasn't even really a curb stomp. It was like a knee stomp. Oh well, yeah, it's, I don't know what to call it. It's a, you know? it's a form of a curb stomp with his knee. Do you think that he should do a different move with that being like very similar to Seth Rollins? Um, I don't know. I feel because like I like many... that move. It's it's different enough, but yeah, I guess. But next up, it's you like had Valentina Faraz suplexes. If they had finishers, like Grayson Waller's finisher is basically a stunner, while Kevin Owens' mm. finisher is the stunner. Uh huh. Yeah. So I don't know. But Valentina Faraz and Ulyssa uh, Leon were interviewed in the back. And they were talking about the Supernova sessions. Then Supernova. Los yeah, Los Lotharios coming in. Nathan Frazier and Dragon Lee coming in. Uh, and then they bailed. Yeah, they bailed. Los Lotharios trying to, I guess, hit on Valentina and Ulisa Leon. But yeah. uh, I think uh, we're getting that match next week. Los Lotharios versus Nathan Fraser and Dragon Lee, I think. I'm not too sure. I don't remember them mentioning it, but main event of the evening, Judgment Day picked up the victory over Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. I thought that it was good to see Judgment Day in action on NXT. I was a yeah, fan and of it. I liked, I liked that there was an acknowledgement from Carmelo Hayes that Damian Priest could potentially cash in on him. Yeah. So I think that elevates the NXT championship with the potential possibility of that. Yeah, I agree with you. But I enjoyed this match. I like the aided springboard that Trick Williams helped Carmelo's Carmelo Hayes do to Damian Priest. We saw uh, Damian Priest hit that razor's edge to Trick Williams on the commentary table, so that basically took him out of the match. And then Dominic got involved, which was a temporary distraction. He grabbed the chair and distracted the referee. We saw Rhea Ripley... Give Damien Priest the briefcase. Ilya Dragunov showed up. He was accidentally knocked off the apron by Carmelo Hayes. And the Judgment Day used that to get the victory. But I was expecting Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams to get the victory there. Oh, no way. I, I didn't I, see that happening at all. I just thought because Carmelo Hayes is champion, I thought we were going to see that. That's I think, what is that, two losses over the Judgment Day now? Is that not? I think so. So, I really thought we were going to see that. I don't know. I didn't see that as a potential. But uh, that, again, just plants what would happen with uh, Ilya Dragunov accidentally getting knocked off the apron just adds to the Great American Bash match. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, that's uh, that's two two victories for Judgment Day because Carmelo Hayes lost on Monday Night Raw. Well, there you have it. To Balor. But that's NXT SmackDown I won't be doing this week. So next week we're going to, I guess, do quick results and, and talk about any of the big things that happened on SmackDown. Yeah, the, the big things. The big things. So right now I'm going to take a quick little break. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. This is the greatest tag team of all time, FTR. And we're here on Marking Out Podcast. You got Cashier, one half of the living legends, one half of FTR, one half of the seven star icons. And we think you should check out this podcast here, Marking Out. 
Top guys out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 649. Chris unfortunately can't be here this week, but I am going to kick off the AEW talk with the 100th episode of Rampage from last week. We saw the Dark Order pick up the victory over the Elite. Uh, Right off the bat, I wish that they mentioned the ending of Dynamite from last week. Because the show literally just cut off as the Dark Order took the chair from Hangman. No mention whatsoever from that, but... Everybody in this match wanted a piece of Hangman. We saw the Elite constantly tagging out. And Alex Reynolds was the one that was was getting the brunt of that. So I like the, the constant tags in a tag match. I don't think Dark Order fully recovered from not being able to get Alex out of the match. But, uh, and really the only reason why they won was because Takeshita showed up. And Evil Uno was able to hit that low blow on Hangman. Claudio hit that uppercut on on Hangman. I don't know if... I mean, that's what basically ended the match right then and there. I don't know if... We were supposed to think that Evil Uno didn't see Claudio do that. I'm not 100% sure. But we saw Kenny run down with a chair before anything else could happen after the match. We had a QTV segment, whatever. Uh, Danny and Sammy picked up the victory over Matt and Jeff to advance in that blind eliminator tournament. Triple J all tried to get involved, but Matt Hardy wasn't having it. And it cost them their match. And I think we saw them losing regardless. Matt Hardy and Jeff Jarrett were not going past Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. But Triple J jumped Matt Hardy afterwards. And Isaiah Cassidy made the save uh, until Saddam Singh got involved. But then Ethan Page finally made the ultimate save before all of them escaped the ring. So we see this story progression with Ethan Page and him helping out Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy. After that, Hikaru Shida picked up the victory over Marina Shafir. No chance in hell was Marina Shafir winning this match, but I thought it was a cool stat that this was the overall 1,000th victory in the women's division in AEW. So Hikaru Shida has the 1,000th victory there, and I think that's pretty cool. After that, Chris Statlander was interviewed, basically saying that she's putting the title on the line at any place, anytime, anywhere. It's going to always be on the line. So... I think we should uh, look forward to seeing more Chris Statlander championship defenses. Main event saw Big Bill and Brian Cage pick up the victory over Matt Seidel and Trent Beretta to advance in the blind tag eliminator. Uh, It's really crazy that it's been just under a year since we last saw Matt Seidel on TV. I know he's been doing Ring of Honor for about three months now, but man... It's it's crazy that he has not been here in almost a year. But as far as the match goes, people seem to really like the team of Brian Cage and Big Bill. I like that they had some moves together and uh, did moves at the same time. When uh, Brian Cage caught Matt Seidel and then Bill hit that boss man slam on Trent, I thought that was cool. I liked when Cage caught Matt Seidel's diving meteora. And, and planted him from that. But 
I, I from this match, I think we needed better officiating. Aubrey had no control of this match. Uh, it's again not her fault in this situation. It's what's probably scripted to happen. I think we needed more control. But she let Trent and Matt Seidel be in the ring for, it seemed like five minutes. No counts, nothing. But we we got a nice powerbomb and lariat finisher to end the match. Moving over to AEW Collision, it opened up with CM Punk, who ran down the history of him and Samoa Joe. He wants people, instead of chanting for him or Samoa Joe, to be chanting for Owen Hart. And I almost feel like this segment happened happened because Willow couldn't wrestle. But her and Athena had a segment later on, and Athena was like, oh, I don't think you're actually injured. But then she went on to say that there's no way Willow's going to be cleared and come Rampage to fight her. So it kind of contradicts itself there. First match of Collision saw Ricky Starks pick up the victory over Will Hobbs, powerhouse Hobbs, to advance in the Owen Hart tournament. QT Marshall got involved behind the referee's back, and the distraction part of the match made no sense to me. Aubrey didn't see the trip. Why is she going over there? Why is she turning her attention to QT Marshall? She didn't see the trip. That made no sense to me, and that was what caused the distraction for the pin off of Hobbs' spine buster. So she had her eyes focused on an elbow pad in the ring. Hobbs argued with QT Marshall, who was up on the apron, telling Aubrey to turn around and count the pin. And then Starks hit the pit, the, the spear on, on Powerhouse. And then Hobbs destroyed QTV afterwards. I, you... The officiating. That's all I can say. We had another Miro promo where he had a a showdown with God. He's ready to hurt people and he has nothing to lose. Basically the same character that we saw the last time with Miro, except uh, he's against God now and we're still not seeing him wrestle. After that, Julia Hart picked up the victory over Bambi Hall. Good submission finisher for Julia Hart. We saw Malachi Black address Andrade's mask afterwards and said that he's more powerful without the mask and he wants to teach Andrade to live without it. And Andrade responded saying that it represents his family, his culture, and it doesn't make sense to me because Andrade doesn't wrestle with a mask. And it's not his, his La Sombra mask. It's just a skull or whatever. How does that represent his family and culture? After that, we saw the Bullet Club Gold pick up the victory over FTR for the the number one contendership. I forget what they call him in AEW. But I have to assume some of the time that Willow and Athena would have gone, gotten, went to this match because this was a super long match. And I'd say that FTR were the most over wrestlers on Collision this week. A lot of people were saying match of the year contender. I don't quite think it was, but it was a very, very good match. But I don't think I could call it a match of the year. But there were so many good spots in this match. I like the double pile driver spot from FTR where you thought they'd win, but Juice broke it up at the last second. The one thing that I wish this match had more of, again, 
was controlled by the referee. I hate when there's no control in these matches. But outside of that, I think it was a very well done match. It sets up a two out of three falls match for this week. I don't quite understand why automatically sets up a two out of three falls match. I don't know why they're not waiting for that. Why it's not on battle of the belts. I'm not quite sure. We got a a Christian promo though. That leads to battle of the belts with uh, Luchasaurus. Scorpio Sky back in action, picking up the victory over Action Andretti. I guess the budget for Cody's pyro went to Scorpio Sky. He had all those uh, those big sparklers and whatnot in his entrance, and it, it's good to see him back. He's been out over a year, which is crazy that it's been that long, like Matt Seidel. But we saw Scorpio Sky help Andretti up afterwards to shake his hand. So I guess they were both faces. I don't think this was a huge return that it should have been or could have been with Scorpio Sky. But then we move on to the main event of Collision with CM Punk picking up the victory over Samoa Joe to advance to the finals of the Owen Hart tournament. This was CM Punk's first win over Samoa Joe. I think it was a very obvious outcome. They used some callbacks to their previous matches, which I'm fine with because it was one of their matches. But Punk got a quick, unexpected victory when he rolled Samoa Joe up. And after seeing CM Punk lose in the UFC, I can't picture Samoa Joe not being able to win here. So at least the victory was kind of out of nowhere. And then afterwards, I was a big fan of what happened. They shook hands. It seemed like, oh, ring of honor, basically. And then Samoa Joe chokes him the hell out. And I thought that was hilarious. Hilarious because I didn't expect it. And I thought that was very well done. It leads to a potential next match with CM Punk. Another match where we see Samoa Joe take on CM Punk. We saw FTR run down to make the save and Ricky Starks, who's also in the finals, something we discussed, Chris and I discussed last week was Ricky Starks versus CM Punk in that finals match. Ricky Starks just stood out there to to look over everything on the ramp. Moving on to AEW Dynamite, we saw Chris Jericho pick up the victory over Commander. I think I'm bored with the greatest hits of Commander right now. Although I did like that tightrope shooting star press that he did. But outside of that, I'm kind of over it. The bigger picture here was Don Callis coming out, showing off footage of him with Bad News Brown or Bad News Allen. And I guess he he used Bad News Allen to try and get Chris Jericho to join the, the Callis family, saying that they had a promise. They promised to always be close or whatever, and then they grew apart. So Chris Jericho is going to be giving his answer again later. Jake Hager, we see, ask Chris Jericho what's up. Jericho's like, I just need some time. And and Hager's like, listen, I don't think I can give you time, basically. Hands over the purple bucket cap. That is probably pretty much the end of the Jericho Appreciation Society. 
I feel like a stable breakup should should elevate everybody. And right now, only person elevated is Chris Jericho. And I guess technically Sammy Guevara. We saw Jungle Boy interviewed from a car. Basically, when is he facing Hook? Hook jumps Jungle Boy in the car and then he tweeted out that unless there's an FTW championship match, he's not coming back to work. And he'll be going to Hawaii instead. So whenever an FTW match comes up, probably battle the belts. How's it not? Match after that saw Danny and Sammy pick up the victory over Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy to advance in the Blind Eliminator Tournament. This one I was not expecting the outcome of. I thought for sure, because I thought Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara were going to end up in that Blood and Guts match, I thought we were going to see Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy advance. But Prince Nana showed up to try and get uh, Daniel Garcia to use Darby's skateboard right in front of the referee. Darby went to take it. The referee finally left the ring to take the board. And we saw Swerve show up during the match to kick Darby and lead to the end of the match. Sammy Guevara, though, shook Darby Allen's hand. After that, they aired a very nice introductory video package for Nick Wayne, who was going to be debuting later on. I thought it was well done. Again, that included Darby Allen, and it, it made sense that they were doing that. It made sense to show him off in that light for the crowd, because... Who is Nick Wayne? Now people get to know more of Nick Wayne. After that, we saw Adam Cole and MJF pick up the victory over Big Bill and Brian Cage to advance in the Blind Eliminator Tag Tournament. Earlier, we saw them go out to a bar. They played some Fight Forever together. And then Roderick Strong tried to talk Adam Cole. And Adam Cole basically blew him off. So... Maybe some tension there. Maybe we need Kyle O'Reilly to come back and be like, snap out of it. Get him back to the Undisputed Era version of Adam Cole. Why are you trusting MJF? He's like, oh, he's kind of cool. He went to the ring wearing the same, the, the tag team shirt with MJF. And, and during the match, we see MJF trying to leave Adam Cole there by himself. And well, because he wasn't able to do the moves that he wanted to do. Adam Cole talked him back into the match. The match itself, I think, was kind of entertaining, but it was also kind of goofy. I don't necessarily think it's the greatest look for the AEW champion, but MJF finally is able to body slam Big Bill. Fans go absolutely nuts. Afterwards, MJF spoke, made Adam Cole do the Adam Cole baby taunt, he did it with him, and then Adam Cole told, uh, did a story time. And this was, to me, very reminiscent of a segment you would see when the show is over. The cameras still roll, but the footage is the one, the footage gets released like 15 years later on a DVD of unaired segments. I felt like that segment, like last week, went too long. We saw Ruby Soho pick up the victory over Sky Blue to advance in the Owen Hart Tournament. The outcasts have been involved so many times, week after week, that I feel like at this point they should just be banned from ringside from the start. 
instead of getting involved in front of the referee and then getting kicked from the, the match. And at this point, for me, that's annoying. Just like them going out of the ring every single match. I liked, in this match, Ruby Soho held onto the ropes for the code blue to reverse that and then turned it into a submission. I think that should have been the end of the match, but it continued. Ruby Soho still picked up the victory uh, and she advances. After that, we got another QTV segment where Harley Cameron debuted a song. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't care. I'm not a fan of the QTV. We saw Swerve pick up the victory over Nick Wayne in his debut. I think uh, towards the beginning of the match, I would have liked to have seen less choreographed looking stuff. But overall, I thought this was a good debut for Nick Wayne. We saw Prince Wayne, uh, Prince Nana, I mean, get involved. Um, Nick did recover from that involvement and hit the Hurricane Rana off the apron. We saw Darby Allen eventually come back out to cheer Nick Wayne on, try to give him like a pep talk from the stage. They did that huge Poison Rana and Cutter spot with, with Swerve's foot being on the rope with the pin. I thought that was a very well done spot because in a spot, in a, a match like that, I feel like that could have been and should have been the end of the match. But because his foot was on the rope, it's like it can't be the end of the match. So it made sense as to why the Poison Rana was not the end of the match. And then uh, Nick Wayne went for a Hurricane Rana off the top rope and Swerve countered it, held on, hit a powerbomb. Hit that Swerve kick and eventually won the match. But I know a lot of people were like, Nick Wayne should have won this match. It was his debut. They hyped him up big time. I don't think Nick Wayne should have won his debut match uh, against Swerve like that. The story progresses. We have Darby. We have Swerve. They'll eventually be facing off against each other. And that's very, very clear, I think. Darby was all over the Nick Wayne packages. The feud is not Nick Wayne versus Swerve. It's Swerve versus Darby. Swerve was involved in Darby's match. He cost him the, the, the victory earlier on. But that was the main event. Like I said, I think this was a good TV debut for Nick Wayne. And I'm excited to see more of him in AEW. I know it's kind of weird to think. Like, I can't go back and not know who Nick Wayne is. Like, prior to, to seeing this match. So, I don't know where other people come from. Viewing this. Who, like, maybe don't know who Nick Wayne is. Where they, they see somebody get... A video package last week, a video package this week, and a big main event spot. So I understand the other side where people are like, oh, he should have won. I don't, I can't go back and be like, oh, who is this? I can't see that side of it. But again, very, very well done. After that, we saw Don Callis come out. The question was, who will be the fifth and final teammates for Blood and Guts? He was interrupted by Kenny Omega. Don Callis, by the way, said that he's not going to be... He he was going to be going out to the ring by himself with nobody. And Kenny interrupted, but the Blackpool Combat Club and Takeshita were there to attack him. 
And then Pack returned to be the fifth and final man. He's been gone for six months. I believe it was the elite that screwed him over. And all of them beat down Kenny. They wrapped a chair around his neck and asked for last words before Pac could hit the black arrow. And then in the most like South Park Cartman-esque acting ever, Kenny's like, check the screen. (laughs) And then a video package airs as if Pac couldn't have hit the black arrow. It's Ibushi. The Elite took the Blackpool Combat Club out and then Kenny, I think, cut a a really bad promo to end. Dynamite leading to blood and guts. I am pretty surprised that it's not Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, but I'm not shocked that Ibushi is going to be in this match. I'm pumped that Pac is back. I'm looking forward to that and I hope... I mean, it feels like the Golden Elite will pick up the victory there. But I really do hope that Blackpool Combat Club comes out on top because Pac, I'm a big fan of Pac, and I don't think he should be losing. I don't know if Ubushi is going to end up signed to AEW or not, but Pac is actually signed to AEW. So I would really like to see Pac pick up that victory to end blood and guts there. It just doesn't seem likely. But that is AEW Dynamite. Gonna move over to my shoutouts. Damn it, Bobby. How many times do I have to tell you to listen to Brandon's shoutout? We mentioned last week briefly, but I think Speak Now, Taylor's version, definitely deserves its own shoutout. I think the From the Vault tracks are really good, and I wish I could, like hear what they sounded like originally in like 2010 when they're supposed to be from I guess but her vocals on these re-recordings I think are even more impressive than they were in 2010 and uh, I guess just to tie it to pro wrestling if you go back and watch the video for the music video for mine Jeff Jarrett's daughters as well as Kurt Angle's daughter makes an appearance hmm Jeff's, That's pretty cool. uh, Jeff's middle daughter portrays a young Taylor Swift in that video. Mm-hmm. So, Also, at uh, her concert last week, she premiered the music video for one of the vault tracks. John Cena posted a picture of her sitting on the stage watching it on his Instagram, which I think is funny because the song is titled I Can See You. So obviously the f- it's funny because John Cena says, you can't see me, but Taylor Swift has a song, I Can See You. So I think that's yeah, that's yeah. Funny. But yeah, Double J it's, is uh, she. They used to hang out with the kids, which is crazy. I mean, this was the entire the bringing together of pro wrestling and Taylor Swift. Yeah, but uh, that's one of my shout outs. The next shout out goes to the horror of Dolores Roach, which is a new series on Amazon Prime based on an off Broadway show and a podcast. But it's ultimately a retelling of Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Starring Justina Machado, Mark Marin is on the show, Judy Reyes is on the show, Cindy Lauper is a reoccurring character as well on the show. So if you want yeah, an updated cool. Yeah, I thought and she did really well, I think, as as an actor on that. 
But if you want an updated twist on Sweeney Todd, I would say check it out on Amazon Prime. Yeah. The last shout-out goes to Miracle Workers. It's back for its fourth season on TBS. I've been such a fan of this show since it first premiered in 2019. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's an anthology series. Um, And obviously they all play different characters. I gave it a shout-out back in 2019 after literally only seeing two episodes. But I think the show is Mm -hmm. just so good. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Geraldine Viswanathan star in it. Steve Buscemi is a main character on the, the show as well. And outside of American Dad, this is the last scripted show on TBS. Which is such a shame because TBS used to have some really good scripted comedies. They used to have yeah. shows like Glory Days, Ground Floor, Sullivan and Son, The Guest Book, Wrecked. I know you and I enjoyed Wrecked. Yeah, that's incredible TV show. But now it's literally just this, and I don't know if Miracle Workers is getting picked up for another season or, or if they're just like, we're we're out of the mm-hmm. game. We're, we're just doing game shows. We have sports. We have reruns in AEW. That's it. Uh-huh. So go watch Miracle Workers. I think it should be airing after AEW now on Dynamite, just like uh, mm-hmm. reruns of that. So, And the other seasons are on Max, so catch up. But those are my shout outs. Now it's time for Howard Moment of the Week. That is right, our mark out moment of the week. Do you have anything? The mark out moment of the week. I think that the ricochet flip over the top term, the top rope always marks me out. But what about you? Well, I was watching a movie called Buddy Games over the weekend. Super stacked cast. Wasn't expecting Seamus to be in it. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then I looked it up. I probably knew this back when it came out. It's a WWE Studios movie. So huh. that's why he's in it, I guess. But... They apparently have a sequel that's not a WWE Studios movie. Uh But Josh Jumel wrote it, directed it, produced it, I believe, all by himself. So I don't know where you can watch that. I I haven't seen the sequel yet. That's pretty cool. I also popped WWE's Most Wanted Treasure. They were doing the Samoan Dynasty this week. And Rikishi was going around with Mick Foley to get some items. We saw Alpha Jr. on the episode. And... They went to go get Yokozuna's robe from WrestleMania 10 and did get it. I don't get them trading what they traded for it. Okay. They traded, they call, they're like, oh, let me see if I could get this. So they call up the dude from the, the warehouse. And I think it was Mickey just goes, hey, can we give him a gorgeous George robe? And I'm like, what? Like, how is, how is that? Is that an even trade? <laughs> huh. I don't know. I can't tell. But I thought that was pretty crazy because they ended up trading an actual gorgeous George robe. They have a bunch of gorgeous George robes from from after he passed away. So uh-huh. it is an official robe. And they did trade one of them to to the guy to get that Yokozuna robe. So I wouldn't trade the Yoko robe. Well, you know, 
I, I was watching it the other day where they were trying to get Drew and uh, Leah were trying to get the bagpipes. Right. And for Piper. And I'm like watching this. I'm like, why would anybody ever want to sell this stuff? Something that I would do if I was in their position is to loan it. Kind of like how when what There's you would do. Some f- people do do that. Yeah, like I would do that. I would feel more comfortable doing that. Like what they do for museums where you can loan a piece of art. You can loan it to a museum and they display it. They take care of it. And then if you ever want to have it back, you can ask for it back. But it's your property. They're just protecting it for you. I would feel more comfortable with something like that. I mean, I would never want to sell a Piper bagpipe that he's played right. or something like that, you know? And that's what I feel like this season mm-hmm. it happened a lot more than, like, last season uh-huh. I feel like we're, it felt like a real show as, as where this seems way more scripted. Uh-huh. But they also went to Jerry Lawler's house to get a $500 shirt that The Rock wore, which I don't know if I knew that King, once The Rock was done wearing them, wore all of them. (laughs) That's funny. Like, all the shirts that Jerry Lawler used to wear were actually all The Rock's t-shirts that were, like, the $500 shirts. Huh. So, I think that's a cool aspect. And King was, like, he put, like, a $10,000 price tag on the shirt because he doesn't want to devalue it. I'm like... This doesn't feel real. Like it, you work for the company. It feels like you could just give them like on loan or whatever. Yeah, as everyone exactly. else does. It makes no sense. Yeah, but I agree. also a few weeks ago there were leaked pictures of a Muhammad Ali figure in referee gear from WrestleMania One, and everyone assumed that it was going to be the San Diego Comic Con exclusive. And now we know a hundred percent it is part of the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive figure. It's, uh, and when that came out, I was like, I don't know why you would just do a a referee version of Muhammad Ali instead of like a two-pack where Pat Patterson is also a referee. Uh But it's a double pack of Muhammad Ali as the referee from WrestleMania 1 and Muhammad Ali in boxing gear. So I think that's pretty cool. A lot of people I see complaining, like saying, eh, mid I think it's still mm-hmm. I, it's I, it spotlights his match against Antonio Inoki from showdown at shape yeah. but the socks on the figure are red instead of black mm-hmm. so it's not like a hundred percent accurate but I, I think it's a very nice set and definitely cheaper than I would have expected it to be mm-hmm. and I, I get that people were hoping for a wrestler but I think it's part of wrestling history and I think it'll still sell well. Uh huh. But those are the mark out moments of the week. And that was episode 649. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at mark and out at BTTG one, six, one, Chris Sween dog, David PTDPT, Dave and I, you can follow both on Instagram at those same handles. Chris is CM Sweeney 85. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out youtube.com slash out 11 That's our Instagram is as well. ProWrestlingTees.com slash out Twitch.tv slash out Follow us on TikTok at out Of course, there's Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and MarkingOut.com. And we wish you the... the... Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Also forgot, big thing, <laughs> marked out for Undertaker. 
Got to say that. Undertaker is now canon in the MCU. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to spoil anything. Best, Best of luck in your future endeavors.